So we're in a new series today. We're starting a new series for the life of you. Could you guess what the series might be called? The Basics. Here's something that I realized. I've been a dad and my son loves to play ball and he plays Little League Baseball and he'd go out on the field and they practice throwing and catching and hitting. And the older he got, they practice throwing and hitting and catching. And then we got to go and check off one of the things on our bucket list. We went to watch the New York Yankees play in New York. Woo! <laughs> and do you know what those professional athletes were doing? Throwing, hitting, and catching. And so it doesn't matter if you're in Little League Baseball or you're in the major leagues. It doesn't matter if you're in Pop Warner or the NFL. It doesn't matter if you are in Little League Soccer or whatever that's called. I'm still learning soccer, cadence and soccer. I'm still learning that. But I even heard this. His coaches, Chris Gaddy and, and Gerald, and, uh, said the boys were getting a little bit tired of doing the same old routines, the fundamentals. And so Chris decided that he would bring in a professional soccer player to, to help them and, and try to give them something new. You know, they're shaking their head because you know what happened when the professional soccer player came in? Same thing. Same thing. Because the reality is you can never get away from the basics. You can never get away from the basics. And as I started thinking about that, I thought as Christians, I said, you know what, we can't, we can't get away from the basics. Now, I don't know about these young people here, but when I was growing up playing ball, I would always shoot that shot. You know, it's like three seconds left on the clock. You're counting it down. You're fading away last minute to hit that swish at the end to win the ball game. That's the shot that I was trying to hit. And as soon as I hit it, I'd go run inside. I'd be like, did it? Hit it. Might have taken me all afternoon, but I did it. But I, I listened to a podcast for a man who works with the highest level of performing athletes. He worked with Kobe Bryant, worked with Steph Curry. And here's what he said. He said the professionals don't practice until they get it right. They practice until they can't get it wrong. That's going to help one of y'all be a better ball player. I won't say that again. Because I'm going to connect that to the basics of Scripture. He said that high-level performing athletes don't practice until they can get it right. They practice until they cannot get it wrong. It just becomes a part of who they are. So that when they're under a stressful environment, are you tracking with me? When they're under a stressful environment, when they're un, in adverse situations, they won't crumble. They won't crumble, not because they've been carried away by wanting the, the latest and greatest teaching, but because they can perform the basics in and out, in and out, day and night. That started me thinking about a verse. It is not on the screen, so you'll have to follow with me. Here's a verse in James chapter 1, and it says this. But It's James 1.25. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides in it. Say abide. 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 That reminds me of John chapter 15 for any of you, when Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. It's a picture of a vine and a branch staying connected. He says, and here's that word, 
and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. Notice it did not say he'll be blessed in what he hears. Look at it. He's not blessed in what he hears. He's blessed in what he does. You see, sometimes we as Christians think, I've got to be ready for that miraculous moment. I want, to, I want to be ready. And so I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly going to classes. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I'll tell you this. If you give me two groups, a group of high-level intellectual theologians who are studying the Bible week in and week out, or you give me a group of people who are very simple in their faith, they just know a handful of things, but they're out doing what they have found in the Word of God, give me this group all day long. Give me the doers. Because I'll tell you, I know what it's like. There's a tendency to come over here and just listen and walk away and be unchanged. See, that's not why you really came today. <laughs> if you came and thought, I'm going to hear me a sermon today, then you're shortchanging yourself. What you really needed to do today was come get a hold of a truth in such a way that it transformed your life. Amen. And it's simple things. It's simple things that's going to change. Like this, when the situation gets bad, you just can't do anything but tell the truth. Oh. Did you get that? You can't get it wrong. It, it means that you've meditated on the Word of God for so long and you understand the value of truth and that truth sets us free so that when you get in a compromising situation, you don't think about telling a lie. You don't even consider it. Because you have been, it's been confirmed inside of you that the truth is, is the way to go. It costs me less, young people. Can I tell you that if you think that you're in a compromising situation and you get afraid and you think that, oh, here's a place, maybe I just ought to just fudge a little bit. Can I tell you that'll end up costing you? It is truth. It sets us free. When you get in a, a compromising situation and, and, and people are saying all manner of evil against you and you just can't help but do anything but forgive them. Amen. <laughs> you, don't, you, don't, you don't even think about anything else. Somebody says, well, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to forgive them. Well, why are you going to do that? Because I can't do anything else, but I've been so forgiven. It's the basics, and that's what we're going to get back to. And today I want to talk to you about this one basic. It's the basic of meditation. Biblical meditation. Because I believe that it's biblical meditation that changes you from being a hearer of a word and a doer of it. That the gap in the middle is meditation and that's what closes it. Years ago, I'll tell you this and I'm moving into the message. I started thinking about this verse and I was meditating on it. And I saw a graph in my mind. And in the graph was what I know to do. And it was way up here. Can anybody say amen? amen? Like at this point in my life, it's not for lack of knowledge, okay, that things are going wrong. I know what to do, okay? But then down here, I saw another line, and that's what I'm doing. Would anybody say sometimes our knowledge of the truth Proceeds goes ahead of us a little higher than what we're actually doing. 
Well, I got curious about the distance in between, and I asked God a question. I recommend you do the same thing. I said, God, what is, the, what is that space in between knowing what to do and not doing it? He said, it's guilt. Some of you want to know where your guilt comes from. It comes from the fact that you know more than you're doing, and it makes you guilty. Some of you are facing condemnation. You wonder where the condemnation is coming from. It's because you know more than you're doing. And, and so how do we close the gap? The way you close the gap is through meditation. Some of you have been reading through the Word of God, and I am so grateful for it. I didn't even mean to say that, y'all. I really didn't. I, I just threw it out. It was near the beginning of the year, and I just threw it out that some of you ought to take an opportunity and read through the Bible in chronological order. The next week, I got like five people that said, where do I get one of those Bibles? And, and I sent them to Amazon. I should have sent them to Molly because Molly's got a bookstore right in town. I could have sent them right over there. So if you need another one, don't go to Amazon. Go to Molly and get you a chronological Bible. But people started just, I, I heard this buzz going about, ooh, reading the Bible in the order that it was in the timeline it's written, not in, by book, and that it all makes sense. And I'll tell you that that is like, that's, that's the starting point because here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get you to a place where you won't go a day without the Word of God. That, that you can't wake up and go a day without it. You can't do it wrong. And so reading in chronological order has a lot of purposes. One is this. It gets you in a, in a routine. Not all habits are bad. Not all habits are bad. There's some good habits, and you ought to develop them. And, and one of them is, is, is reading the Word. I don't care if you do it in the morning. I don't care if you do it on your lunch break, if you do it in the evening. I just know that you've got to have the Word. And you'll be better off if you go through life and say, I just can't do without it. I just can't live without it. I can't live without it a week. What you talking about? I can't live without it a day. What you talking about? I can't live without meditating on it day and night. And, and so that's the introduction. It is that I'm reading the Word. Then I have an opportunity to study the Word. But if you want to practice the words, you got to learn to meditate. So for that, I want you to go over with me to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. And in order for me to set this up properly, I need to talk to you about this process of transformation. Is there anybody in the room that wants to be transformed by the renewing of your mind that the Word of God transforms you, it changes your life? Yeah. Then you need to know that it's a lifelong process. Okay? Which means that you may hear something today and it's going to transform your life, but it's no silver bullet. Okay? Transformation is a slow process. We want everything in a hurry. Right? We want our meals so we can put them in a microwave and heat them up and they're ready in two minutes. Right? We want everything in a hurry. If you're going to be transformed by the Word of God, it's going to take time. Young people, you'll have to spend the rest of your life doing it. And, and so, if it takes time, I want to run through this process. Some of you who are in education, put this up first. Some of you who are in education have heard something called Bloom's Taxology. This is Bloom's Taxology, the Kevin version. 
the everyday walking around version. Now, Bloom's Taxology is about how you learn things and incorporate them into your life. And, and here's the process. Do we have that process? It, it starts with being aware of something. Okay? You hear something today and you go, huh, I've never heard that before. And, and then you start thinking about it. You start pondering it. And you're trying to, to understand it, see if you can get a grasp of it. You're not necessarily for it or against it. Like right now, you're like, I don't know if I'm going to do this meditation thing or not. I, I'm just not sure I'm into it. But you're, you're thinking about it. You're, you're listening to what I have to say. But at some point, you become convinced and you say, you know what? I'm going to go home and try to meditate on some scripture. And so at that point, what you're doing is it becomes a value. You say it's valuable enough. I'm going to try it. Like some of you have said, I'm going to try losing weight. Lord knows, I'm, mm, we won't, okay, we're not going to go there. I'm going to do whatever. You, you try to, I'm going to exercise, right? I'm going to get up and I'm going to exercise. And, and so you, you make some attempts at it, but you'll find that there is an action gap. Do you see that? Between what you want to do and what you do. So I'm stuck at this gap. And the only way I get through that gap is that I begin to prioritize my life in such a way that you buy a membership at the Y or you buy a chronological Bible or you start memorizing Scripture. You see, you've got to do something. Otherwise, you will live with the guilt of knowing what to do and not doing it. Know it. You'll live with it. You'll be stuck at I know what to do. But I'm not doing it. But if we begin to prioritize our life in that regard. And here's what that person who looked at the athlete said. He said what they're doing is not easy. But it is basic. Getting up every day and doing the right thing is not going to be easy y'all. It's just not. Whatever area we're talking about it's not easy. But it is basic. It's not that complicated. And we need to get to that place where we own the things that are, it becomes such a part of us that we can't think about doing it any different. Now to Psalms chapter 1. I need somebody among our youth, and you're the one that does not look like trouble. Tell so you don't look like trouble. Come over here. We're going we're gonna to... Role play Psalm 1 for you. Is that okay? You okay with some role play? Sure. Oh, sure. <laughs> uh, sure. So first I'm going to read it to them. Me and you are going to concentrate on it. We're going we're gonna to meditate on this in our mind, and then we're going to act it out for them, okay? Here's Psalm. Here's Psalm 1. You want to? Here, look with me. Here's what it says. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked who does not stand in the path of sinners, who does not sit in the seat of scoffers. Watch this. What's that word right there? But. There's a but. Yes. He's connecting two things. When you're reading Psalms, the, the, the writer of Psalms is telling you how not to do it. He's inserting a but and saying, this is how you do it. And then he finishes up the psalm with, here's what happens if you do it either way. 
regardless of how you do it, this is what you can expect. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. It says, he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. And he will bear his fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, it says, for they are like chaff that's driven away by the wind. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will what? Perish. Will lead to destruction. I need you to get it at the back of the room, okay? The first thing that we encounter is this. We encounter walking in the counsel of the wicked. Telsa just became wicked. Now, Telsa starts walking. Now, start walking real slow, Telsa. Now, this is a progression. At first, it says the, the person is blessed who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked. This is when you don't go looking for trouble. Trouble comes looking for you. Any of you ever been in that situation? You were minding your own business, and look who's coming. Trouble. Just must. Now stay right there. Don't get too close, trouble. <laughs> you just minding your business and trouble comes looking. Now, young people, I told you I was going to preach to you. I need to ask you a question. Who or what is influencing your life right now? Who are you listening to? What are you looking at on your phone? Because I'll tell you what, those phones, you'll go on there and you got good intentions and trouble will come looking for you. Trouble will come looking. And trouble is going to try to tell me that their way of doing things is better. In fact, trouble, come on up. Trouble comes up and says, you're going to like this. And they appeal, young people, to things that you like. It, it appeals to things that, that, that seem fun. It appeals to things that seem exciting. You see, if you could turn around, you see these older people behind you nodding their head because they found trouble. Trouble came looking for them. And, and, and so at, it, you, you look at it and you go, that's not so bad. In fact, that looks kind of, trouble looks kind of fun. Like me and trouble could have a good time. Like if I started hanging out with trouble, me and trouble would have fun together. You know? Now, trouble, I need you to go all the way around the room. What happens is Psalm 1 does not stay right there, but it says, nor stand in the path of sinners. You see, if you continue to think about trouble, then you get to a place where now trouble is not looking for you. Ooh, you done gone looking for trouble. You see, now you liked what you saw. Now you liked what you heard. You got accustomed to, to thinking and meditating on what trouble was going to bring, and you decided, you know what? I want me some trouble. So at, at this point, I'm like, hmm, you know what? I like that. You know what? I think I will have me some more of that, and if I just go back to where I used to go, I bet you I can find me some trouble. Because you see, there is a path to trouble. There, there, is a, there is a path, 
and you have seen it before because you you saw trouble walk that path. You know, most of us did not get into trouble because we did not know it went in an addiction. Like most people, when they take the, uh, some alcohol for the first time as a kid and they know they're not supposed to, they're, they're not taking a drink of it thinking, uh, I don't know what will happen. No, you've seen somebody in your family who was an alcoholic. You know, you've, you've lived enough, you've seen somebody who's been addicted to drugs. You can't say you don't know. We, we know. But, but we don't worry about that. We just like the excitement. So here comes trouble. And now, trouble used to come looking for me. Now I go looking for trouble. Boy, I'm glad you're here. We're going to have some fun. <laughs> now, now going back around, we're going to do the same thing. <clears throat> and if you do that long enough... Now, you are not the one who is hanging around trouble. You are trouble. Young people, I don't know how many parents come to me and they say, my child has been hanging around people who ain't nothing but trouble. And can I tell you that if you hang around those people and you say, I know they do some stuff that my mom and daddy don't like, and I know they say some things that I probably shouldn't hear, but it's kind of exciting when I'm around them. Can I tell you that if you hang around that long enough, you won't be in the midst of trouble. Come on, trouble. You are trouble. And now, you in trouble trying to find somebody. Channing, come over here, buddy. We got to talk to you. Come here, get in the middle of us. Because, look, we got some stuff you ain't ever heard about and you ain't ever seen about, but you come on and walk with us. Come on, trouble. You come on and walk with us. Because now, that word scoffer means an ambassador. You become an ambassador for trouble. It means you going out trying to recruit. You are a recruiter. You trying to recruit people to live like you live and live in your wickedness. Now, Janet, you have heard just this small portion. Do you want to hang out with trouble? No. <laughs> Give them a hand, y'all. Thank you, Trouble. Now, we applied that to Trouble, but I want to apply it to one more thing before I move on, which is this. There are many of us in the room today, and, and you're not really involved in any overt Trouble. You, you're not doing anything that's... This, you're not... You're not drinking too much to where you're becoming, you know, addicted to it. You're not addicted to, to drugs. You're, you're not stealing. You're, you're going to work on time. And you're like, well, that doesn't apply to me because I'm, I'm not carried away by trouble. Can I tell you that the enemy doesn't have to carry you away just by trouble? He just has to get your mind off of Jesus. And in that respect, anything will do. I don't know how many people tell me, Kevin, I just don't have time to study the Word. I say, do you have time to look at your phone? Turn that little function on and see how many hours you're spending on your phone. And you might find that you got four and a half, five, six hours. Because <laughs> it told you you did. It said this week your screen time was four and a half hours. Imagine. If you had not been carried away, see, at first it was kind of interesting. You found, found some stuff on there you liked. But then before long, you started picking it up and carrying that thing around with you, and it was in the grocery store with you, and it was every time you stopped you did it. And what happened? Now you're part of it. 
And now you've been carried away. So you don't have to be just carried away by trouble. The devil says, if I can get your attention from anything, if I can get you off the word of God, then I can lead you down a road that will cause you to perish. But there's that but. Did you see it in, in verse 2? But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Meditation is the thing that turns this all around. It's not just reading the word. It is meditating on it. And it even tells you a little bit of how to do it. You're like, now look, you went through a big old demonstration about trouble how do you do this? Well, I'm going to be the next verse. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. Woo! I'm like, ooh, how do I get me some of that? Well, you have to position yourself by the stream of living water. That's Jesus you got to position yourself in the Word of God so that the Word of God can begin to give you life. You see, that tree knows where it needs to be. It needs to be near the stream. you got to be near the Lord. Because when stuff starts happening and it starts drying up for everybody else, it won't be drying up for you. Because you're not dependent on the rain. You're dependent on the stream. So it can be a drought somewhere else. Are you with me? Yeah. But it's not a drought for you. <laughs> That's why in Isaiah 58 it says, they, they'll be like a well-watered garden in a dry and a thirsty land. <laughs> why? Because they have positioned themselves near the Lord. And as those roots begin to grow down, they begin to move out trying to find water. And as they're searching for water, they're getting the nutrients that they need, but they're also growing strong. They're growing strong. They got a deep root system that they have grown in the Lord. And so when the troubles of life come, they're ready. And they're not going to be pushed over. They're not going to be uprooted. Why? Because they have planted themselves in God. They have meditated on His Word. Some of you may be saying, I don't, I don't know how to meditate. Do you know how to worry? Do you know how to worry? If, if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. And you'll find out that you really don't need a whole lot of training. Because I tell you what, can you worry in any posture? Like you can, you can worry laying down, sitting up, driving the car, walking around. It's like, oh, I can worry about anywhere I go, doing anything I'm doing. And I'll have people say, well, is there a certain posture I'm supposed to have for meditation on the Word? I said, no, nope, just like worry, you can do it wherever you go. You can, you can meditate laying down. You can, at 3 o'clock at night versus worry, you could meditate. Somebody will get that. How do I, how long do I, do I have to worry? I mean, meditate. You talk about, I worry all the time. I, don't, I never stop. I just worry all the time. Imagine if you just meditated all the time, what would happen? If, 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 you, if, if, you, just, if you just kept meditating, 
like went from one verse to the next, being, being fed off that verse. So if somebody says, well, how long should I meditate? I don't know how much you want to grow. Because as much as you meditate is as much as you're going to grow. Yeah. And, and then it's like, well, where, where should I go and meditate? Well, with worry, you concentrate on the thing that's in front of your face. So maybe find what's in front of your face in the Word of God and meditate on that. Do you see, we don't have a problem with meditation and not knowing how to do it. We have a gap between what we know to do and what we're doing. And, and so in, in terms of that, I, I want to show you a picture of this thing. Because you, you have to see it in such a way that you go, you know what, I want that. I want it so bad, I'll change some things. I'll prioritize my life in order to meditate so that I am no longer a, a worrier, I'm no longer fearful, but I'm meditating, I'm like that tree that's firmly, firmly planted. And so I want to take you back. As I was meditating on these verses this week, <laughs> by the way, let me say this. Do you know that the messages that Pastor D and I preach week after week are the products of our meditation? Did you know that? You're getting our meditation spoken out loud. To prepare a message, what you do is you, you read a verse. God draws you to a verse. And you begin to read that thing. And, and oftentimes you even want to memorize that thing. And then you start meditating, meaning that you want to soak up just like that tree. You want to soak up every little part. I wanted to see that but in verse 2. Because I said, wait a minute, something changed when he got to that but. <laughs> I, I want to see that word meditate and go, wait a minute. The difference between getting it wrong and getting it right was that he meditated. That's got to be good. The messages that you preach... And the, it's, it's probably true, so let me just go on and say it. And probably, the, in a lot of ways, the, the way they touch and impact your life is to the degree that we've meditated on, right? Like if we come up here and give you a half-baked message, you get a half-baked loaf of bread. But you can usually tell. <laughs> I'm giving secrets away, y'all. I'm giving secrets away. But you can tell. You can, now, now there are things that will come in and rob it, right? You know, there are things that will get you, you know, off kilter. But I'll tell you, when you come in here on Sundays, you're eating the meditation of our heart. You, on Wednesday nights, you're eating the meditation of Jeff's heart. People who are in here, your family, are eating the meditation of your heart. Oh, oh you thought I was going to leave you out of it. Nah, because if I'm going to get myself in trouble, I'm going to take you with me. <laughs> Which is a lot of times the reason that you may be struggling to overcome that thing in your life is because your meditation is not deep enough. You have glossed over the Word. You did not take time to internalize it. And so you are not ready for that moment that you are standing in. You're not ready for it. You see, you got to meditate before you get there. Do you know that Kobe Bryant practiced 45 minutes on the basics of every two-hour practice that he had? Because he knew one day I need to do something spectacular. But in order to do something spectacular, my footwork has to be perfect. Church, you got to get your footwork right. You, you got to get your footwork right to be in position for that moment when you're required to do something spectacular. 
So I want to end with this. Can I take you back to Adam and Eve? And when I take you back to Adam and Eve, you will find that there is a serpent in the garden. Did you realize that Adam and Eve didn't go looking for trouble? Trouble came looking for them. And the serpent came up and started talking to Adam and Eve and started getting them to listen to something that they had never heard before and started to get them to question God and question reality. And as they did that, you watch this progression. First, they start walking with the serpent. But somehow or another, they find themselves up at a tree. And now they're pulling off fruit from a tree. And there's two trees in that garden, remember? Because I'm going to get back to the, there's trees. There's a tree that they're not supposed to eat of. He said, you can eat of any tree. Don't eat of this one. It's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. There was another tree in the garden. Anybody know what that tree was? It's the tree of life. Did you know he never told them they couldn't eat of the tree of life? You see, you got to meditate on that. <laughs> you got to meditate on that or you'll miss it. He said, you cannot eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's another tree in the garden. It's the tree of life. He never told them they couldn't eat of it. <gasps> but they ate of that tree. And in one generation, Adam and Eve's son killed the other son. If you don't believe that the way of the wicked will cause you to perish, I tell you, think again. Because it always leads to perishing. But there's a second Adam. Mm. <laughs> In Romans, it speaks about a second Adam. His name is Jesus Christ. He comes as the second son, and he has to go into a garden too. It's called the wilderness. And when he goes into that garden, that same doggone serpent tries to tempt him. And he says, hey, look, you ought to, you ought to make some bread for yourself. And Jesus says, man does not live by bread alone, but out of every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Ooh, where did he get that from? He'd been meditating on the Word, not eating bread. So he, he speaks the Word into that situation. Do you see? He does not get caught up in the, the schemes of the devil. He fights it with the Word of God. And then it says that the devil tempted him in every kind of way he could think of. And it says, and then he just got up and left and departed from him. He said, I can't do nothing with this, Jesus. I can't do nothing with this second Adam. Why can't I do anything with him? Because the living, imagine this, the living Word is meditating on the Word to have strength to fight the battles of his everyday life. Mm. So then the living Word dies that we might have life, and then he ascends into heaven, and in Revelation 22, 2, Guess what is in that new garden that God establishes? A tree. It's a tree. And it's a strange tree because the way they describe it, you can't tell. It seems like it's growing on both sides of a road. And you're like, I don't understand how that can happen. And then there's a stream there. And it seems like that stream literally flows through all of the city. And you're like, I don't understand how a stream can flow through that city. 
do you realize that that picture is a picture of Jesus? It is a picture of the life that he gives. And it is reminding us, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He says, I am the fountain. Come and drink of me and never thirst again. Yeah. That plant, that tree in Psalm chapter 1, and it said its leaf did not wither. This tree in Revelation 22, 2, guess what it says? That leaf becomes the healing for the nation. My goodness, there was a tree of life in the garden. And I don't know if Adam and Eve ate it or stopped eating it, but they chose to eat from the wrong tree, y'all. There is a tree in Revelation that speaks of the end time, and it is a tree of life. And with it, it says it bears fruit, 12 fruit. Why? Every month. It says all day long, forever, producing life. Do you want some? Amen. Do you want some? Amen. It's producing fruit. Then come and eat. <laughs> come and eat. There's a stream there. Do you need something? Come and drink. Come and drink. You're like, but I'm not in heaven and I'm not in the garden. Then guess what? Jesus represents life. Jesus is life. Young people, there's one thing I could open up your head and pour in. It would be Jesus. <laughs> it, it would be Jesus because I'll tell you that He is life. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And how are we to encounter Him but through His Word? And so I want to encourage you to come and eat. <laughs> you ever watch those football games? Some of y'all who love football, when them guys make this great tackle and they go, they, they were talking about eating, right? Yeah, fellas, you got to eat. Women, you got to eat. You got to come and eat of the bread of life. You got to come and, and drink from a fountain that never runs dry. But there's usually two trees in every person's garden. There's one that is the way of life, and there is one that is perishing. What you been eating from? What have you been eating? What have you been meditating on? What have you been soaking up? Because I can tell you, whatever you are soaking up, you will give out. So if you have been soaking up on gossip, <laughs> then guess what you're going to put out? Gossip. If you've been soaking up unbelief, and been hanging around people that don't believe, guess what you're going to be giving off? Unbelief. You've been hanging around people that all they can see is the wrong in the world. Guess what you're going to be start talking about? Everything that's wrong. But you start hanging around this Word, and you start meditating on it, and you start desiring it, then I'll tell you, you'll look around, you'll go, for some reason I feel good today. Last thing, and then I'm going to close. It uses that word prosper. And I'm so sick of the Christian debate over this prosperity thing. I am so sick of it. Can I tell you the truth is not on either end. It's in the middle. The, the truth of that thing is this. Prosperity doesn't mean that you can just ask whatever you want of God and He'll give it to you. 
that's way over here to some crazy extreme. The other extreme over here is not to look at those people and say, no, God doesn't do it that way. And you present a gospel that looks like if you are not miserable, broke, and sick, you ain't doing it right. It's like, where did that come from? It's two extremes. That's what happens when you pit people against each other and you fail to look at the Word. The truth is in the middle. That verse I said in James chapter 1, it said the people are blessed who are doers of the Word, not hearers only. And it's because they abide in the Word. And in Psalm chapter 1, it says that person will be like a tree firmly planted by rivers of water. It says in whatever he does, he will prosper. What does that mean? Y'all, I can't tell you the storms won't come. I can't tell you that there won't be a drought in your family. I can't tell you that the winds won't blow. And I can't tell you that it won't uproot some people in your life. But what I can tell you is this. Is if you will meditate on the Word of God. And you will become a doer of the Word. That even in a drought, you can still draw strength from Jesus Christ. Even when the winds are blowing, you can hang on to Him and you'll find out that He's been holding on to you. And you will find that even though things didn't start out good, He'll work them for good. And to me, that is what it means when it says you will be prosperous. It says that if you will do what I tell you to do, I'll take care of you. It doesn't mean everything will go just like you think it will. But at the end of the day, you will look back and say, He never left me. God never left me. He was always there. He was the bread of life. Will you come and eat? Stand with me.